On today's episode, we recap the second round of the 2019 NBA playoffs and look towards the conference finals. All that and more on Check the Scoreboard. Hello and welcome into another episode of Check the Scoreboard. This is episode 35, the Kevin Durant episode of Check the Scoreboard. And I just want to thank you all for tuning in uh, every week or every episode rather uh, up until this point. And we are in the NBA playoffs and it's such an amazing time. It's such an exciting time. And I've been taken off uh, between series. So I think in the first series, I did the first two games of the series. And then I did, I think, when the series ended in the first round. And then in the second round, I just gave you guys so, kind of sort of like my thoughts on on what I thought the second round matchups could be like. And I recapped the first round. And here I am. I'm going to do the same thing here um, for the semifinals round, uh, the second round. And I'm going to give a preview of what I think is going to happen or not a preview, but I'm going to give you guys my thoughts on what I think is going to happen here in the in the conference finals round. Um, and so without further ado, let's jump into it. Uh, we, we, we downsized from eight teams to four teams or what? We downsized from 16 teams to eight teams in the second round. And now from the second round to the third round, we've downsized again to four teams. Um, you all know the matchups. You saw the matchups. You saw the games. You saw the series. You watched the series, I hope. Um, fantastic second round, I, I have to say. Uh, I mean, in different ways, depending on who you root for or depending on what you wanted to watch. I mean, we had some some really solid some really solid matchups. We had Golden State in Houston, of course, the rematch of last year's Western Conference Finals. We had Portland and, and Denver, uh, two rising teams. Uh, one team uh, we'd been waiting for them to break through for a long time, right in Portland, and then we had a young Denver team who ascended to stardom this year after not making the playoffs, you know, for the last like eight years, and and, and they were two seed in the and they. And they pushed, you know, they they won in seven games over a strong, a, a veteran San Antonio team. And then they got into this Portland series and they played really, really well. And then on the Eastern Conference side, we got Milwaukee and Boston. A lot of teams who, a lot of people who had picked Boston to go to the NBA Finals this year against the Milwaukee team uh, who had been so consistent and so solid all year long. Uh, you know, they've got, they've got the MVP candidate in Giannis. I mean, he's just an absolute force all across the board in every which way. And then, of course, we have Philadelphia and Toronto. Toronto, the second most consistent team in the league this year, uh, second in wins behind Milwaukee, going up against a Philadelphia team, arguably more talented with the better roster. Uh, when you look at it from head to toe, uh, this Philadelphia team was was stacked with talent and stacked with, with really strong, good players, and then made trades, you know, midway around the year uh, to get better. And and here they are in the second round. Um, and so, the, just really great basketball being played throughout. Uh, in, the, in the semifinal round. But uh, the way that we're going to do this, uh, like always, like typically, we're going to do a Western Conference, Eastern Conference kind of thing. And we're going to start out in the Western Conference here first in this first segment. And then we'll go on in the second segment and we'll talk about uh, the Eastern Conference side of things. So uh, let's jump into the Western Conference. Let's start with, um, really, you could start with either series because they were both so strong. Golden State and Houston go six. Uh, Portland and Denver go seven. But let's just start with Golden State, right? This Golden State-Houston series, Golden State wins in six. Uh, they won the last two games of the series without Kevin Durant, um, who left game five, or who left game four, excuse me. Um, no, no, no. They played, 
well, they only played the final game without Kevin Durant. Excuse me. He got hurt in game five, towards the end of game five in the fourth quarter. Um, he goes out uh, with, with the calf strain, the calf injury. Um, and, it, and, of course, he doesn't play in game six. And so he doesn't play in game six, and everybody expects it to go seven. Um, and that's just not the case, right? Gold State shuts the door. They, they come back on Houston, and, and, and they win a tough one. Um, the important thing to note in this series is, is how close every game was. So no game was decided by 10 points. Every, in fact, when you look at the scores, I mean, I don't think, I don't think there was a game that was decided by more than five points. Um, when you total all the points, I mean, it was a combined 29 points that separated six games. Uh, of course you had the game one, uh, in Golden State, uh, when Golden State wins 104 to 100, that was the game that you know people were all up in arms about the fouls being called or lack of fouls being called and, and the officiating and things like that. Um, maybe rightfully so, rightfully so. I think I think there were some calls that were missed in in that in that first game, especially some fouls at Clay, uh, probably fouled James on, and, and one that was called late, um, and, and so they did correct themselves, but. The officiating was was the big headline after game one, and then from then on, it was it was just really solid basketball all across the board, in my opinion. Uh, Golden State wins game two without any controversy. Then then they go to Houston and they let game three slip away. I think um, Golden State had a really strong chance to win that game. They had a really great opportunity to win that game, uh, and they just didn't. Houston comes back, they win, they get back into the series, um, and and which I think is important because when you're playing a team like Golden State uh, or you're, you're playing a really strong team like a Milwaukee Bucks team or, or even a Boston Celtics team, if you go down 3-0, you expend so much energy trying not to get swept that it's almost impossible to get back into the series. Uh, and you know the stats, I mean, historically about teams who have gone down 3-0-3 and, and how many have come back. I mean, it's the number is so small, you, you don't even know how many teams have actually done it. Um, or you you do know how many how many teams have done it, uh, but you probably can't name them. You have to look at it. I mean, that's a stat that you have to look up. Um, so you go down 0-3, and you're thinking, like, we got to spend so much energy just to not get swept to get back into this. I mean, it's hard to to come back, you know, from 0-3. But Houston gets a huge win in game three. James Harden played phenomenally. Uh, he averaged, I mean, when you look at his numbers over the series, he averaged – way better numbers than he averaged in the first run against Utah, right? In the Utah series, he only averaged, he averaged about 27 points a game in about 36 minutes. In this Golden State series, he averaged 34 a game, 35 a game in 40 minutes. So his minutes, you know, his minutes total went up, understandably so, against a better team, and his production went up. Um, So he showed up in that game three. Uh, Let me, in that game three, against the Warriors, um, James just, I mean, he put the team on his back. I mean, Chris Paul only averaged 16 a game in this series. In game three against Golden State, Harden goes off of 41. Uh, he, he hits five of his 13 threes. He goes 14 of 32 from the field. And he goes eight of eight. He goes eight for eight from the free throw line. So um, a huge performance in 45 minutes to get to get them back. And that was the overtime game. So that's the game that they go. They win 126 to 121. Um, over Golden State. And then he turns around in game four and he puts up 38. 
so once again, keeping them back, you know, evening the series, uh, putting up 38 on 44% shooting from the field. I mean, that was something that he did all series long. He shot 46% from the field and 36% from three. Uh, he played solid basketball. The only problem was when we got to game five and game six. Um, in game five, when Kevin Durant goes down in the fourth quarter, Steph hasn't been, he hadn't been having a great game. Really, to be truth be told, Steph didn't have a strong series. He did average 23, and he did have the 33 points in game six, but all 33 of those came in the second half. Um, and up to that point in game five, Steph had only had like 13 points. He finished with like 25 or, or something like that in game five. But up until that point in the fourth quarter when Kevin Durant gets hurt, he only had 13 points. So he did not play that well uh, in this series. And and that was really the prime moment for the Rockets to say, okay, we can take control of this. And they don't. Um, they don't even – I don't even think they made a basket. I mean, they made like one of their whatever shots down the stretch against Golden State who, who came back with no Kevin Durant, with a, a struggling Steph, uh, who only missed like one shot after that. Um, after Kevin Durant goes out, Steph goes insane. Uh, Clay Thompson had a solid series. He averaged 17 in the series, and he had 27 in games in games five and six. So, I mean, it was sort of like the Steph and Clay that we saw before Kevin Durant came to Golden State. And unfortunately for the Rockets, it was the same storyline. It was they can't finish. Uh, do they run it like does James run out of steam? Is he run, like does, is this the time of the year because he plays so much in the regular season because he does so much in the regular season? Is this the time of the year where he just breaks down, uh, especially against a Warriors team, a team like that? Um, you know, in the playoffs, things are, are tougher. Things are different. The environment's different. You know, these guys have a lock on you for for several games, and they they have to focus on you. And granted, he does get his points off. He, I mean, he scored. He only scored under – he scored – his lowest point total in this series was 29 points, and that was game two. Every other game he scored over 30 points. Actually, he scored over 35. Uh, well, no, over 30 because he had 31 in game five. But those numbers were three and a half quarters strong. Like, they weren't – they especially in the last three – in the last two games, they were just three and a half quarters strong. Like, in the fourth quarter, he just teetered off again. I mean, like, he just he just pretty much fell apart. Um, and they didn't have an answer. They didn't have a go-to. I mean, Chris Paul in game seven or game six, uh, he tries to save them, um, you know, with his play, you know, with his play late. But, I mean, it was just too much Warriors, uh, too much Steph, too much Clay, and especially in game six when, when Steph scores 33 in the second half after not scoring a single point in the first half. Uh, it was looking bad, but, I mean – Houston had their chances and they can't, they can't say they didn't, they had their chances. They just didn't, they just didn't convert. Um, when you look at the numbers for, for Golden State without Kevin Durant in the last two games, they scored 111 points uh, in those two games and they shot 47% from three and they shot 38% or they shot 47% from the field and, and, and 38% from three uh, in game five or in game six. In game six, they shoot, you know, 45% from three. They didn't play two games without Kevin Durant. They played one game without Kevin Durant. Um, you know, they shoot 45% from three and, and 35% from the field in that game. So, it's, I mean, 
we know what they can do without those two guys. And so there's, I mean, there's no question. There, I mean, we know how good they are. We know how good Steph and Clay are. Uh, we know how good, you know, Iggy is. We, I mean, they want to ship without, without Kevin Durant. I mean, we know how good Draymond is. We know what he can do. Uh, we know what he brings to the table. We know how good Kevon Looney is. Um, I mean, Jarebko played really big for the Warriors. Um, you know, Sean Livingston, we know what he can do. I mean, they've got a stack, and they bring back Bogut, of course, and, and they might even get Cousins back for this Trailblazer series. So uh, the word on the street is Kevin Durant might not play the first two games of the, in this Portland series. Um, so, and if he can't play the first two games in, in the Western Conference Finals, uh, that's not, I mean, no one's going to feel bad for Golden State because they still, I mean, they still got all-stars and they still got proven leaders and, and, and guys who have been here before and have played, you know, and shared the spotlight in the postseason. So no one's going to feel bad for them if Kevin can't go in the first two games. Uh, but what they were able to do without him in game six against this Rockets team, um, you certainly, you, you have an appreciation for. Because that was a quick turnaround. That was a quick adjustment uh, to have to make, especially between, you know, with just one day of rest and you're traveling. So going from uh, from Golden State, going from Oakland to, to Houston uh, between Wednesday and Thursday or Wednesday and Friday, um, and having just one day in between just to prepare for this Rockets team uh, without Kevin Durant. So hats off to those guys uh, for being able to do that. And and for the Rockets, James Harden says he knows what they have to do. I mean, it was very um, – he was – it was very incong – I don't know. It was like – he didn't exactly say, but he said he, they, he knows what they have to do to, to beat the Warriors. He knows what the pieces that they need. Um, and so it's just a matter of going out and get that piece this summer uh, for them. I mean, their season's over. Um, they had, I mean, for Houston to to lose once again to this Golden State team, which I think I saw is like the fifth time in six years that that's happened to them in the playoffs. They their seasons ended uh, by the by the sword of, of the Warriors. So um, they've got to figure out a way to get over the hump, and whether they figure that out or not, I'm not sure. Uh, they, I mean, the D'Antoni offensive style is just. It's it's infuriating to watch because you just watch for most of this series. You just watch James Harden just dribble and dribble and dribble, and and really their only offense is involving him in some sort of screen action. Um, Capella was getting denied at the rim all series long. He did not have a great series. I mean, his series was so bad. I don't even have stats on on Clint Capella. Um, I have no I have no idea what he did. I, I I seriously don't know what what Clint's stats were this series. I can't tell you. That's I because he wasn't a factor. He didn't do anything. Um, just I forgot he was alive. I mean, that's just how poorly he did not. Pl- I mean, that's just how great he did not play. I mean, Clint's stats in this series: eight points a game and ten rebounds. I mean, the ten rebounds, of course, cool, whatever but he wasn't scoring at the clip that he was last year in the playoffs or even in the first round series against Utah. Um, so I don't know what Houston, what Houston has to do. They have to get a real offense. They have to start running more actions once they get to the playoffs. I mean, James can only carry you so far. We've seen that for the last three years. We've seen it for the last well, however many years since he's been in, in Houston, he can only get you so far. And then after that, I mean, you got to figure it out. I mean, you, your, your offense can't be let James bring the ball down court and everybody clears out and he does some sort of isolation and he either shoots a three or he gets to the rim and passes to someone in the corner for a three. Um, 
your offense isn't I mean and shout out Eric Gordon had Eric Gordon had a phenomenal series he had 20 points a game he had several 30 point games he had several big games in their wins uh but like where was this like where was Kenneth Fareed this series right when when you when the Warriors go small like where was he like he only played five minutes he only averaged five minutes in the series um and he was such a big part of them down the stretch of the regular season after they got him off waivers. So like, where was he? Like he would have been a better option than, than Clint Capella. I mean, like he brings energy, he can run the floor. Um, he plays good defense. So like, I would have loved to see more of him. I mean, it's, I don't, I, I don't know. Like if I just know that James Harden can't be your offense if you're Houston, you can't rely on him every single possession. He played 40 minutes in this series. Um, 40 minutes per game, that is, in this series. And, I mean, he gave you the points. He gave you the rebounds and the assists. He had six rebounds, five assists. I just – you got to find something else. The D'Antoni style of offense where we just shoot up all these threes, and if we make them, we make them, and if we don't, we don't. That's not a strong – that's not that's not a game plan. That's not a game plan. It, it's just not. And they shot 43% in the series – or they shot 36% uh, – from the series from three, but they took 43 attempts per game. So you got to figure it out. The the threes, it's not going to work. It only works for the Warriors because they play defense, right? And they've got Steph and Clay can get in. They've got, they got, they have efficient mid-range shooters and they can get to the rim and they get to the free throw line. Their offense isn't solely based off of threes. They run motions. They run different actions. They run cuts and, and ball screens and things like that to get their shooters open, which is why they're so effective. Houston just stands on the side. They let James do whatever he wants to do, and then they, they go from there. You can't do that. That can't be your offense. It cannot, I just, you're not going to win that way. That's that when, you, when Charles Barkley talks about shooting teams don't win championships, the D'Antoni style of offense is what he's talking about this then it's never going to win it's never going to win unless he makes an adjustment i'll say that it could win one day but it's not going to win as long as it's literally james you do this and everybody get out of the way somebody set a screen for james and then james decides like do do i want to throw the lob or pass it out for three it's never going to win it's never going to happen the shooters he has around him are not good enough they have to figure it out i hope they figure it out i mean this rockets team is fun to watch at times, um, and if you're a Rockets fan, they're fun. But, I mean, just the D'Antoni style, it needs an adjustment. There's a reason why he wasn't able to win in Phoenix. There's a reason why he gets so far into the playoffs, uh, you know, the Western Conference Finals, and then it just breaks down. Game 7 last year, he missed 27 threes in a row. You have to be able to make some sort of adjustment. I mean, like, as a head coach, when you go and, when you call these timeouts, you – yeah, you want your shooters to have confidence, but you have to start getting some easy baskets. You got to start getting to the rim, get to the free throw line, slow the game down when you have these leads. And you have to do these things. And they haven't been able to do them the last two years against the Warriors. Um, and if this is going to be the way that they play and you know, going forward, I have no reason to believe that anything's going to change. Houston will never make it to the finals as long as they continue to play this way. It's not going to happen. Um, and so that's we're closing the book on that series. Now Golden State, you know, they get the winner of, of Portland and Denver. Uh, I spoiled it earlier. Spoiler alert, it's Denver, it's Portland. An incredible seven game. These two teams have played incredible basketball through the first two series. Uh, I mean, through the first two rounds. 
when you talk about Portland and you talk about Denver, Portland, the incredible first round series over, over Oklahoma city. Um, just the game hitting the game winner in game five or game six. Um, no game five and game five of that series, just the energy that Portland brought, just, um, the shooting ability, just the, the all around just team play that Portland brought. Um, and then we talk about Denver as well, bringing that energy from, from San Antonio, just overcoming the nerves, overcoming, you know, coming back from 19 points in game two and just absolutely beating the Spurs, just a more veteran team with their young players. And so we, we put these two together in the second round and we say, okay, like, what are you guys going to give us in the second round? And they gave us a seven, they gave us an incredible seven game series. I mean, the entire way I had no idea who was going to win this series. I, I literally didn't know. I mean, they split the first two, right? Portland loses game one and then they come back and win game two on Denver's home court. And then they go back to Portland and in game three, we have that incredible four overtime game that seemed like it would never end. Um, Jokic plays 64 minutes in that game. Jamal Murray plays 60 minutes in that game. CJ McCollum had the incredible, uh, he had 41 in, in game four, in game three, in that four overtimes. Um, and this was really the CJ McCollum series for Portland, uh, whereas the first round series was more so like Dame, it was, it was Dame series. Um, we just, there were so many, there were so many great things in this Portland, in this Portland Denver series surrounded Surrounded by CJ, surrounded by Jokic, surrounded by Jamal Murray, um, surrounded by Rodney Hood, who played better. He elevated his game. You know, it was, I mean, exponentially from from the Oklahoma series. He only averaged five games in that Oklahoma series. And then when you get to this Portland series, uh, I mean, this this Denver series, Rodney Hood's all of a sudden up to, to like 15 points a game. Um so he he made the leap. He goes, I mean, he made the leap. He stepped up where others didn't in, in Alpha Rucamino and Mo Harkless. Those guys, uh, you saw them fall off a little bit from, from the Oklahoma series, but he certainly he elevated his game. And uh without if he doesn't play the if he doesn't come in after Harkless fouls out in game three and he has the performance that he does, uh, i.e. scoring 19 points on five of seven shooting or six of eight shooting from the field, two of three from three. Uh, and especially those threes late in, in the fourth overtime. Um, if he doesn't come in and he doesn't play that way, they don't win. And they are, they probably don't win this series, but he played phenomenally. Um, I think this, I think the stat was like, he didn't play after the first quarter until the fourth overtime uh, or something like that. Or like he hadn't played since the second quarter in that, in that, in that game three until, until the fourth overtime. So he comes in and he produces and he just, I mean, like, he just willed himself. Uh, he elevated his play because that's what Dame and CJ needed. That's what we've been asking for. That's what we've been calling for. Uh, when they got to the playoffs, like we said, they need more help. Dame and CJ need more help. And through the regular season, it was, okay, this Portland team is good, but Dame and CJ, they need more help. And they go out and they make the trade. They get Rodney Hood. They sign Ennis Canner off waivers uh, from the Knicks. And all of a sudden, they got more consistent. They got better, um, and here they are. They they had they added Seth Curry in the offseason, uh, who was coming off that that leg injury, and Seth had a strong series. He had a strong series against Oklahoma City. Seth hit some big shots in this in this Denver series. Um, he played well. 
so it was things like that, additions like that that make these teams better. Additions like that that kept Portland that kept Portland from from suffering the same fate as a Houston. I mean, honestly, they went out and they made the trades and they got the acquisitions that they needed. And they and these guys stay true to themselves. They stay true to their style of play. Um, and they made it. I mean, but they were able to make adjustments. They were able to see. Because they didn't shoot, I mean, Dame didn't shoot the ball well at all from three. Dame shot it 27%, right? He couldn't miss against Oklahoma City. I mean, he shot 40, 48% from three and 46% from the field against Oklahoma City. Or or he shot 48% from the field and 46% from three. He couldn't miss. Um, in this series, he teetered off. He only he split 39 and 27, so he shot 39% from the field. And he shot 27% from three, but he elevated his play elsewhere. He got five rebounds a game, um, and he had some really huge rebounds in game six and game seven, especially in game six when when they were down and, and they they came back and they were able to overcome. Um, and then, you know, to average six assists per game, so to realize, okay, I'm not scoring. Uh, I'm not doing what I need to do. I'm not scoring. He only had 13 points in game seven, all right? He only scored under 30 points one time in the Oklahoma City series, and that one time he scored under 30, he had 29. This series, he only scored 30 twice. So he teetered off. He he didn't have the series he wanted, and his shot wasn't falling. His shots were flat. Um, it looked like his, his legs weren't really there um, for whatever reason, but he hit some big shots when he needed to. He had a, he had a four-point play. Um, in game six, I think it was to, to sort of spark that Portland offense. Um, he missed some big free throws, especially in game, in game five, uh, against Denver. He missed some big free throws in that game. Um, but he didn't dwell on it or not game. They absolutely got smashed in game five. I meant to say game four, game four was a four point game. Um, they missed some big free throws. I think he ended up missing like four or five and he hadn't, and he missed, he hadn't missed three free throws in a game all season until that point. Um, and he missed three in, in game four. Uh, so, I mean, that was, he, he bounced back. I mean, CJ had an incredible series. CJ averaged 26. He shot 44% from the field. He had 37 from three. Uh, he, sh- he had 37 in game seven, 37 points in game seven. Uh, he, I mean, he, he had the shot to pretty much ice the game coming out of the timeout. Portland's up one uh, with, with like 11 seconds left. He hits. I mean, he gets, he gets out. He gets Craig in the in the ISO. Uh, he takes him down to the free throw line. Boom, boom, step back, and, and just hits it in his face. Um, about as cold of a about as cold of a shot as I've seen. Almost on par with with the shot Dame hit to win the series against Oklahoma City. I mean, they were different levels of of great uh, because Dame's won the series. You know, obviously it won like. That was it. They couldn't say anything else. CJ shot, iced it. I mean, it, it put him up by three uh, with about eight seconds left. But you could just feel it. I mean, like you could just feel the air leave. I mean, they were both on the – I mean, Dames was at home. C- CJ's was on the road. It was just – they both had their moments, though. And and that was CJ's moment, and this was CJ's series. And he played – spectacular basketball he held this team together he carried this team to the western conference finals uh i mean obviously dame was there for help too i mean it wasn't just cj and it was it was an all-around effort 
Um, but he played big when, when the team needed it. When Dame wasn't scoring, when Dame wasn't shooting the ball well, CJ stepped his game up. Um, he got into his mid-range. He got into his bag. He got to the rim. Um, he hit some big threes. So, I mean, these guys, these two guys, uh, they cemented themselves as, as probably the second best backcourt in, in the NBA, and, and they're going to go up against the best backcourt in the NBA in the Western Conference Finals. Um, and Steph and Clay, so that's going to be a matchup to keep to to, to watch out for. Um, I'm excited. I mean, Game One is is tonight, Tuesday night, and there's I mean, there's no Kevin Durant at least for Game One. So I mean, we're going to see a lot of of CJ and Dame. We're going to see a lot of Steph and Clay. Um, and and another note about this Nuggets team, just how incredible that they played they hadn't lost to the same team at home all season. Like they, they never lost more than one game to the same team at home. And they, they lost two against this Denver team or this Portland team uh, in this playoff series. So um, hats off to, to Denver on an incredible season and Jokic who just, who couldn't be stopped. I mean, 27, 13 and seven, you know, in the series um, he shot 53% from the field and 45% from three. So, uh, he was hitting shots. I mean, he didn't take a ton of threes, but the threes that he took, he made. He played spectacularly in Game Seven, um, and they had no answer for him. Portland had no answer for him. If there's a weakness for Portland, it's that they did not have an answer uh, for Jokic. But I mean, like he played incredible. Um, he played 65 minutes in game in that Game Four, in that Game Three, that four overtime game, like I said, and then he followed that up in Game Four with with a triple double. Um, he was phenomenal. And so was Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray, 24 a game, um, six rebounds a game, five assists. Uh, he didn't have a, a great game seven. He only went, he shot four, 18 from the field. Um, and he was over four from three. But other than that, I mean, a super solid series from the 22 year old. Um, it's only his third year and he and Jokic are only going to get better. This Denver team is only going to get better. Uh, Paul Millsap stepped up big. He averaged 17. Um, but, I mean, when we come back, we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference series and, and, and what happened there. And uh, so stick around. My apologies. I ran out of time at the end of that first segment. As you know, I've talked about this before. On the platform that I use, only at 30 minutes um, in a segment before it, it cuts me off. And I was reaching that 30 minutes uh, limit. But just to to quickly, very quickly on this on this Portland Nuggets thing, um, Paul Millsap played very, 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 very much um, way better. He played way better than he did against the Spurs. Um, he stepped up. He showed up. 17 a game, eight boards. Um, he had some big moments. He had some big plays uh, in, in their wins and in their losses. I mean, because, I mean, Denver, they had a 17-point lead over, over Portland in game seven, right? It looked like it was over. Every time I, I watched the game, Every time I would I would go to my room and, and see it, I mean, it just looked like there was no way Denver was going to lose. And then late in the fourth quarter or in the third quarter, uh, Portland cut into their lead, and they were able to to keep cutting into that lead and until they took the lead in the fourth quarter. So this Denver team has nothing um, to 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 hang their head on. I mean, of course they they give up the the fourth quarter lead in Game Seven. But, I mean, they played incredible basketball all season long. I mean, they hadn't made the playoffs in, like, eight or nine years. And when they do make the playoffs, they're the two seed. 
Um, and it was them and Golden State all season long, you know, going back and forth between one and two. Uh, and, and they gave them a run for their money in the regular season. And, and they played really strong basketball. They were able to get home court advantage uh, in the first two rounds. So, and they were able to beat I mean, they have nothing to hang their heads on. They got really good play from Jokic, all-star Jokic. Jamar Murray, who looks like he's going to be an all-star in the coming years. Um, and they have nothing but to, I mean, they can do nothing but build off of this. Gary Harris gave them solid defense in that Portland series. Um, he didn't shoot the ball effectively from three, I, I'm sure, as he'd hoped to or as he wanted to. But he played spectacular defense in that series. He had some really big dunks. He had some really big and ones. Um, and so they got play. They got really strong play from those three guys, and they got really strong play as a team from everyone. Um, but it only means that they're gonna get, they're gonna get better. They're gonna have Michael Porter Jr. back. He's gonna be there next year. He's been cleared to to participate in the summer league. Uh, he was their he was their their number one pick in the draft. Um, he was taken 14th overall. He slipped um, coming out of Missouri. So he's only gonna he's only gonna make them better uh, because he he's a guy who who can do everything. Supposedly he can shoot. He can get to the rim. He's a tall guy. Uh, he's been cleared for summer league activities, and we'll see what he brings to the table for for this Denver team next year. If they can have a if they have a rotation or a starting lineup that has Jokic, uh, Porter Jr., Millsap, I think uh, if he's not a free agent. Um, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, uh, I mean Malik Beasley. Like if that if that's their starting five, or if that's their at least their their six, you know, in rotation, this Denver team could be dangerous. This Denver team could be something to a, a team that that'll be back. Um, especially if you think about if Kevin Durant leaves Golden State, if Clay leaves Golden State, uh, what the Warriors will have. I mean, if this Denver team is able to 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 piece it together and, and stay together, who knows? Maybe they could be the one seed next year. Um, I mean, they played well enough this year. I mean, Jokic is going to be good. He's going to be, I mean, Murray's going to be better. So, um, but that's it for those guys in, in, in the Western Conference. And, and now we're going to shift over to the Eastern Conference. And what we had here, we had a seven-game series and we had a five-game series. Um, the five-game series was predictable. Uh, if you had watched any basketball at all in the regular season and and you saw this and you, you could you could have seen this coming. I saw it coming. Uh, the Bucks beat the Celtics in five. I said it um, on Twitter. I said, if the Celtics lose this series, they're going to get blasted in five. If they win this series, they're going to win it in seven. There was no in between. I mean, there there was no in between. They're so they were so inconsistent all season long, and the Bucks were so solid all season long that there. I mean. There was no way that this Celtics team was going to win in anything less than seven, and there was no way this Bucks team was gonna was gonna let the series last any longer than five. The absolute they dominated. It was not it was not pretty. The Celtics got dominated all series long. Kyrie, he I mean he averaged twenty five a game against Indiana. He dropped off to twenty a game. He did not have a great series. He not he did not shoot the ball well at all. He shot it what. He shot at 40% from the field against Indiana. In this series, I guarantee he did not shoot at 40%. He shot at 35%. Um, and that's being generous because the last two games of the series, he he couldn't he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Um, he had com- he well, he made a combined like 13 field goals. Um, and he took he took like 50 shots. So he did not play well. His his last two games, 
were not pretty. Um, in fact, I'm going to give you his stats right now for his last two games. When you look at it, cover your ears uh, if you're a Celtics fan. 6 of 21, 7 of 22. Um, well, you know what? Let's just go ahead and take it from game two. From game two on, after the Celtics won game one, in which Kyrie had 26 um, on, 12, on 12 of 21 shooting, they lost four in a row. Uh, four of 18, 8 of 22, 7 of 22, 6 of 21. So uh, 22%, 36%, 31%, 28%. Not pretty numbers. From three, uh, one of five, two of eight, one of seven, one of seven. So not pretty. Um, he did not play well. This series was on him. As well as, as much as it was on everybody else, it was more of on him. Um, because he was supposed to be the difference maker. He was supposed to be the difference in this team being able to get to the finals. I picked them to get to the finals because I thought you add the experience that these guys gained last year from getting to the Western, the Eastern conference finals and coming to within a half twice, uh, two times coming within a half of going to the NBA finals. They didn't have a finisher. They did not have someone who could finish for them. Kyrie was supposed to be that factor for the Celtics team so that Jason Tatum wouldn't have to do it, so that Jalen Brown wouldn't have to do it, so that Terry Rozier wouldn't have to do it, so that Al Horford wouldn't have to do it. <coughs> Excuse me. He was supposed to be that factor. Kyrie was. And he wasn't. Nine points in game two. Unacceptable. Fifteen in game in game five. Unacceptable. They didn't even come close to – they didn't even sniff a win in those games. They, they got beat 123 to 102 in game two. 123 to 116 in game three, 113 to 101 in game four, and 116 to 91 in game five. They did not sniff, they did not sniff the Bucks in, in those last four games. So, and the talk about it was, oh, oh, we have the answer to Giannis. Al Horford is the answer to Giannis. Okay, if Al Horford was an, was the answer to Giannis, then tell me why Giannis put up 29, 32, 39, and 20 after game after game one. He had 22 in game one on seven to 21 shooting. After that. He didn't shoot below 40%. He shot 46% in game two, 61% in game three, 68% in game four, and 57% in game five. Al Horford is supposed to be the, 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 the Giannis stopper. Giannis said, okay, I got you. I mean, literally it. I mean, everybody was freaking out that Al Horford was going to clamp him, kind of like Marcus Gasol clamped Joel and beat all series, which was weird in itself. Um, there was no way that Al Horford was going to stop Giannis. No, no way. Absolutely not. Giannis was on a, on a mission. He was collecting skulls. He has been collecting skulls all season long. And he averaged 28 in the series. He shot uh, he shot 53% from the field. And he'd averaged more if he'd have made his free throws. Um, he missed five free throws in game one. He missed five in game two. He missed six in game three. He, went, he shot 22 free throws in game three. Absurd. Which, I mean, yeah, say what you want. I mean, the refs... Uh, Played a certainly played a huge role in that in that game three, um, in terms of just you know the whistles, the amount of fouls I recalled. But I looked at those stats, and they were this, they had the same amount of fouls called on both teams. Um, Milwaukee had the same amount of fouls as as as, as Boston did. Um, so I don't want to hear it. Yeah, it may it might have affected the pace of play um, because of the different times that the fouls were called. But overall, I mean, when you look at it, you look at it, total fouls, 26 to 27. Um, so Boston had one more foul than Milwaukee did. They shot three more free throws. They shot, or they took they took 43s, and Milwaukee took 
took 37 threes. Boston made 16, Milwaukee made 15. Um, Milwaukee shot four more free throws than Boston did. So, and they actually, Milwaukee won by seven, but they missed, they missed 12 free throws. Boston missed two free throws. It went, so like, don't, like, don't give me, like, don't give me that crap about, oh, like foul calls and all this and all that. I mean, like when you look at it at the end of the day, it's pretty even, um, across the board. You just got to make, you got to make the plays. If you've got the lead or if you're looking to cut into the lead or, or get back into the games, you got to figure out a way to not fail Giannis and you got to figure out a way just to, to play better. Um, I mean, you had it, they had their opportunities. They, they certainly did. And they just didn't execute. Uh, the Celtics team, a very disappointing team all season long. One of the more disappointing teams I would say in the league, just because of how up and down they were. And, and it showed, I mean, like they got to the playoffs, they swept, a Pacers team that didn't have Victor Oladipo, but they had to come back from double digits like more than once to, to win the, to win two games in that series. So, I mean, just about as inconsistent as it could get, I mean, that was the Boston Celtics. Um, and, and they got what they deserved. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm sad to say, but they got what they deserved, and they got their butts kicked against a better Milwaukee team, a team that won 60 games. Um, they didn't lose – they didn't lose – you know, more than 10 games uh, to a, to an Eastern Conference team. And they didn't lose their 10th game until late in the season, a game that Giannis didn't even play in, and they lost to the they lost to the Cavaliers. So um, whatever Kyrie had to say about, you know, that, I mean, I mean, that was that. And he felt away, certainly, um, because he feels like it affected the game. But you know, when you look at the stats, when you get the same amount of field goals and you shoot the same amount of threes and, and all of that, I mean, something's missing. Like you, something didn't like, you know, um, and they had 28 points off of turnovers. And so, I mean, you look at the stats and, and they played better than Milwaukee in, in that game, in that game three, but overall in the series, they did not play better. So um, I'm not really sure what Boston needs. I mean, they got a lot of questions going into the off season just, you know, in terms of what are they going to do? Like, what are they going to do about Kyrie? Um, are they going to extend Jason Tatum? I think Jalen Brown's on the books for an extension. I think he's at the end of his rookie deal. Um, I mean, what are they going to do about Horford? You know, he's got another year left. Are they going to exercise this option? He's going to, you know, what, like, they got so many questions. Rozier, is he going to walk? Is they going to reset? Like, there's so many things going around in Boston, like so many questions going around in Boston. I mean, you don't even know where they're going to be at next year. So, um but Tatum is the core. Tatum is the future of this team. Um, if they want to get, if they want to keep Kyrie, they probably have to try to explore a trade for for Anthony Davis, and that might include Jason Tatum. Uh, so, I mean, a lot of things are in play for them if they want to be competitive, if they want to get back, if they want to be more consistent. They got to figure out a way to play better. Um, they need they need a piece. They need someone. Maybe Anthony Davis is the answer. Uh, but I don't understand how you can go from a year in which you you know you make it to the what, the Eastern Conference Finals uh, without Kyrie, and then you get Kyrie and you get Hayward back, who who is trying to figure himself out throughout the season, um, and then you get to the playoffs and you just like you can't do it, you can't make the push, you you can't make the leap, you um, you get the piece that you were missing the year before and you can't do it. But hats off to this Bucks team because this Bucks team was so good, they were so good for so long. Um, and they were solid from top to bottom. It wasn't just about 
excuse me, it wasn't about the lack of playing that, that Boston did. This Bucks team, um, I mean, even bes- like even besides Giannis, this Bucks team was incredible. Uh, just going from top to bottom, Middleton, I mean, Middleton averaged almost 20 a game. George Hill, uh, who was George Hill, right? I mean, George Hill played played really well. George Hill outplayed, you could say he played out, he outplayed all of Boston's guards, Kyrie included, in this series by himself. He had 14 a game, Bledsoe had 13 a game, um, and he brought tremendous energy. Bledsoe did. He had tremendous blocks. Um, Miritich shot the ball effectively from three, and, and, and they got Malcolm Brogdon back um, in game five, and, and which, was, which was nice to see because he scored 10 points in that game five, which means he should be ready to go in, in, in their Eastern Conference final series. So um, from top to bottom, I mean, Milwaukee got – great i mean they got great minutes from everyone and Giannis only averaged 33 minutes a game in that series so um that's going to help them in this west in this eastern conference finals because uh, the team that they're going to have to play they've got arguably the they've got one of the best players in the league um not that's not even debatable he is one of the best players in the league um and that's Kawhi Leonard and the Sixers and the and the Raptors had themselves a solid seven game series it was nice um it was it was authentic. It was back and forth every single game. Um, it was sort of like that Denver Portland series. You, I mean, you, you didn't really know who was going to win, right? Because uh, Toronto wins game one. You know, Kawhi's forty five. Incredible. I mean, incredible performance. He's forty five in just thirty eight minutes. He takes twenty three shots. Um, he goes three of seven from three, ten of eleven from the line. And then they lose the next two, right? Philadelphia takes the next two. They win one in Toronto, so they split the series and they gain home court advantage. And then they win game three, 116-95 over this team. So now we're looking at, okay, um, if Philadelphia can win game four in Toronto, then that puts all the heat, all the pressure on the Raptors. And then we're, we're making up, we're starting to talk about stories about, you know, uh, does Kawhi leave if they lose? Like, how far can like is this how far Kawhi can take the Raptors? Is this how good they are? I mean, I mean, what I mean, like, what is it? And, and you look at this Raptors team, and all series long, you, I looked at this Raptors team and I looked at their stats game after game, and I wondered how they won. I, I actually still don't know how the Raptors won this series. Um, I, I actually, I, I really don't. I, I can't really tell you how the Raptors won this series because. When I looked at it after every game, it seemed like every, it seemed like Philadelphia starting five was always in double figures. All five of them, it seemed like they were always all five of them in double figures. It seemed like it always seemed like they got you know solid bench production um, from someone off the bench, and and it seemed like they should have won this series easily because when you looked at the Raptors, it was kind of like Kawhi and Pascal, and, and then like nobody else had really shown up. Um, even in Game Seven, when I when you look at the stats, Pascal didn't show up. Kawhi, Kawhi was head over, you know, by far uh, the only option the Raptors had. He took, I mean, he had he had already taken like forty shots by the by the time the fourth quarter had gotten there, um, and he took, I mean, he took thirty nine in the game. I mean, he had, he'd already taken thirty shots by the time the fourth quarter started. Um, he had taken like thirty of their seventy. There's 70 team shots. Um, and it was a wonder. And he was the only person, almost almost the only person in double figures. I mean, he had 30, 
uh, by the time the fourth quarter started and nobody else, nobody else had over 10 points. Nobody was sniffing over 10 points. And it was a wonder if they were going to win that game. And they were somehow up by four points late in the fourth quarter. Um, I mean, it was back and forth all game. I mean, I don't, I don't, I really don't know how Toronto won this series. Uh, Kawhi played fantastic. He averaged 34 in the series. Um, he shot 30% from three and he shot 54% from the field. It, it's 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 mine I don't it's mind-boggling because this Philadelphia team certainly is the better team they had they're the better the talented team um they've got MB they've got Simmons they got Reddick they traded for Tobias Harris um you know they added you know they added Jonathan Simmons they had James Ennis who played really well in this series I mean I I don't this Philadelphia team so disappointing because they are so talented, and they have Embiid, and they have Simmons. And when you look at their production over this series and what they got, um, Jimmy Butler was their best player. Jimmy Butler, 22 points a game. He had, he had several huge games. He had a uh, his Game 7 performance. I mean, he was, about, he was about all they had in that Game 7. I mean, I'm joking, but I'm not joking. Um, several, at several points in the series, it looked like he was going to carry them to victory. He was going to carry them to a series win. Um, as a matter of fact, he didn't play well in game seven. He didn't have a strong game one and he didn't have a strong game seven. The two games that mattered the most. Um, he only had 10 points in game one. He had 16 in game seven, but he had a, he had a huge layup that tied the game, um, late in the fourth quarter. Of course, before Kawhi hit the dagger, before Kawhi hit the shot that was, you know, that bounced off, bounced around the rim for 24 years before it finally went in. Um, an incredible moment for him just because you start to remember everything that he went through, the ankle injury, the rehab, everything that he went through in his final year in San Antonio and then being traded, you know, in the off season, you start to think about everything and, and the things that he went through in the regular season. He didn't play every single game. They were keeping him, you know, they were trying to be safe with him. Um, so he didn't play certain back-to-backs and things like that. And then he gets to the playoffs and he's all of a sudden, he's obliterating the competition. Um, and he hits the game winning shot and it's sort of like his, this is the moment for him, and this was the moment for him. Um, but this Philadelphia team, I mean, Jimmy goes for 25, you know, to keep them alive in game six. Um, you know, he had 22. I mean, you look at his stats, um, and he shot the ball well. He shot, at 40, he shot 43% from the field, and he shot, um, you know, he shot, what did he shoot from three? He didn't shoot great from three. So he only shot 17% from three on the series which is what the Sixers lacked. It lacked great three-point shooting. Um, also, Joel Embiid being shut down by uh, Mark Gasol was a was a, a confusing thing. Um, his absence at times and his lack of play um, was really not good. Um, he had several games where he didn't score 20 points in this series. Uh, like in game six, he had 17, but in the losses that it really, it really, really jumps out at you because he had 13 in game, in game five, he had 11 in game four. Um, he had 16 in game one. And so all season, all series long, it was about how Marcus Gasol, who in his own right is a great defender and is, is a, you know, is a reigning, you know, def- he is a, he was a defensive player of the year, uh winner uh, one year, but I mean, Marcus Gasol at his age should not be able to guard Joel Embiid. 
as young as Embiid is, and we know Embiid has had injuries and things like that, but no reason why Gasol should have been able to guard him in this series. Um, Joel Embiid was arguably the most dominant player, you know, in this series besides Kawhi uh, coming into this. I mean, when you talked about the the potential, uh, Embiid, there was no way they should have been able to stop. He should have had at least 25 a game. He should have had at least 10 rebounds a game, probably 15. He should have been, but that's more on the Sixers and, and than it is on him. But it's also more on him. He should have, he settled for a lot of threes. Um, he did take a lot of threes. He did. I mean, he he missed a lot of easy shots. He didn't get to the rim probably as much as he should have. Um, he only took he only took more than ten free throws once, uh, and that was in that was in game three. He took thirteen. I would have loved to see him beat average probably somewhere around like thirteen free throws a game because I think he's that good. They don't have an answer for him. I mean, besides Gasol, there's no one else who could stop him. Um, so. I don't, I don't, and Ben Simmons, his lack of play in this series, his, his inability, his hindrance, his, his lack of ability to shoot, um, it really jumped out. It really jumped out at you. 11 points a game. Just him alone, Ben Simmons alone, just looking at his, what he put up. It wasn't, I mean, besides, besides game six, he didn't score, he didn't score over 15 points. Um, he scored 10 points twice. He had 13 in game seven. He had 14 in game one, and that was it. The other two games, he had seven and six. Uh, so 11, his assist numbers weren't there. He only had four assists, and his rebound numbers uh, weren't as high as his, his regular season. He only had seven. Um, so his lack of, of shooting ability really glared out at him. Um, and I'm not. we're not saying he has to be able to shoot a three. I'm not saying he has to shoot a three. I'm not asking for Ben Simmons to be out here shooting threes, but if he had a jump shot, if he just had, if he could have someone respect him that he can shoot away from the rim, even that would be an improvement. And that would be the difference in some of these games for these, for the the games that they lost. Because if you have guys, if you're able to space the floor, if you're able to, to create for Embiid down low, then, you know, instead of just standing around in the corner from three, just watching your teammates just do, basically playing four on five at times uh, is what it was like watching the Sixers. It was like playing four on five because Ben Simmons, his inability to shoot the basketball outside of the, you know, outside of the paint was a glaring. It was, it was, it was a, I mean, it was like playing with one arm tied behind your back. He has to get better. Even if it's just extending a shot towards the free throw line, he needs it. He needs a shot. It doesn't have to be a three. He didn't have to learn how to shoot threes. He didn't have to be in the gym working on threes all summer, but he has to get a jump shot um, because they're not, it's kind of like the James Harden thing with, with Houston. Um, he, they like Houston can ex- expect James Harden to do everything by himself. Well, Philadelphia is only going to be as good as, as Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid and, and Joel Embiid can't do it by himself. Embiid can't, he can't shoot threes and try to work down low against Mark Gasol. Um, regardless of if they're able to re-sign Jimmy Butler or not, Embiid can't, like, Embiid can't do that. You can't expect him to do both. Ben Simmons has to do one. Ben Simmons has to get a jump shot. He has to space the floor. He has to be able to, I mean, he has to do more than just, he has to do more than just basically be a taller version of Michael Carter-Williams. Um, you, I mean, like Ben Simmons isn't going to get all his points in transition and dunks and things like that because I mean, he doesn't shoot great from the free throw line. 
I mean, he's only like a 65% free throw line shooter. So what is he going to work on this summer? What is he going to do to put the Sixers over the top? Um, because I guarantee you, if he doesn't do anything, uh, Ben Simmons could find himself out of Philadelphia. I mean, I would easily prioritize and beat over Simmons. And if I had to choose between pairing Simmons or Jimmy Butler with Embiid, I wouldn't hesitate to try to re-sign Jimmy Butler to put him with Embiid because at least Jimmy Butler can score from the outside. He can open up the sp- he can open up the floor down low for Embiid to go to work on the on the block because he can shoot the ball from outside. Ben Simmons can't. Ben Simmons can't he, he can't create for himself. He others have to create for him through lobs or he has to get it in the transition. But he he can't just he can't shoot a jump shot. Uh, and that's what they need. And that's why they didn't beat this Raptors team uh, who somehow survived with Kawhi and, and at times Pascal Siakam being the only two people alive on the court for them. Um, so I don't I don't know. This Philadelphia team needs a lot, but this Raptors team is solid. Um, this Raptors team, the second best team in, in the Eastern Conference all, se- all series long, all season long. And that's why we're getting one and two in the Eastern Conference finals and not one and four or whatever. Or whatever the case was. So um, hats off to the Raptors. Hats off to the Bucks. Um, the Celtics and the Sixers, they have a lot to go to, to work on in the offseason. Um, but for the Sixers, I will say this. It's helping that they are going to retain Brett Brown because about a couple of days ago, um, there were reports circling that if they lost Game 7 or if they lost a series against the Raptors, that um, Brett Brown might be gone in Philadelphia, which I didn't understand, number one, because – we're just now getting a healthy quotes around healthy uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Uh, he didn't have those guys for the longest, and, and now we're getting now we're getting them both, and they and they've been to the playoffs back to back seasons. Um, they haven't been able to get out of the second round, but they've been to the playoffs back to back seasons. They went to a game seven this year. They had a chance to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, whereas last year against the um, against the Boston Celtics, they got rat. I mean, they got they got their faces beat in. So. Um, they're getting better. They, it helps that they're keeping Brett Brown because it's gonna, that means I think that that gives them a better chance to re-sign Jimmy Butler. Uh, whether that comes to, to fruition or not, I think it helps them uh, because if you have a new coach, there's no way. I don't think there's, they're keeping Jimmy Butler if they, if they fire Brett Brown. There's no way they're keeping Jimmy Butler. Um, but this gives them a chance to re-sign him, I think. Uh, Brett Brown is a I mean, he knows what it takes. I mean, he's been with these guys. These guys know him. I don't think it's quite yet time for a coaching change. Um, you just have to look at, I mean, you just got to look at the body of work, what he's been able to do in the last two years. Um, these guys have played better. Um, and they will. I think they will continue to get better. So um, for the Sixers, Simmons has to, he's got to make a change in his game before they hit the before they hit the next the higher the upper echelon of the eastern Conference, before they become what what it's about to be uh, basically the Milwaukee Bucks before they can jump on the Bucks level Ben Simmons has to 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 make a change he has to revolutionize his game in his own way um, he just has to extend himself beyond the paint and, and when we see that happen then I think we'll see the 76ers play better um, but we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to I'm going to talk about what we've got set up here. I'm going to talk about the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. I'm going to do them at the same time. Um, I might split them off, but 
Uh, we're going to take a break here. So check uh, more check the scoreboard on the way after this. All right, welcome back. We are in our uh, – we're going to talk about matchups here in a second for the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. But one more – I have an, I have another – like one more add-on to, to my Ben Simmons thing and this really this whole 76ers thing. I mean, why I was so disappointing watching them, especially in Game 7, is because down the stretch, they turned the ball over. They got – they had three straight shot clock violations down the stretch when the game was hanging in the balance. That's – a maximum of, of nine points if you're talking about three threes, and that's a minimum of six points. So they definitely left points on the board um, in the final in the final moments of the game. I mean, there's just there's no reason for a team that has Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Jimmy Butler on it, who are all on the court at the same time, and JJ Redick as well, all on the court at the same time. There's no reason for you for three straight possessions to come down to a shot clock violation. There's absolutely no reason. And granted, the Raptors played spectacular defense on those series. But if you're the 76ers, you got to have, like, the ball just stuck on one person. The ball literally just stuck in Jimmy Butler's hands on one possession. And then on another possession, the ball was just, like, the ball didn't go inside until there was, like, two on the shot clock. And, and then Embiid just sort of did, a, like, a whatever. And then, I just like, it was very disappointing to watch. And it's very clear, like, they – they have to make some adjustments. They have to – the floor spacing for the Sixers at times is terrible. Um, and so Toronto took those jobs away, and once that happened, I mean, the Sixers were toast. They were – I mean, they were they were done. But those are my closing thoughts on that series and those guys. But now we're going to transition uh, to our conference finals matchups. we got Portland and Golden State here in, in the Western Conference, and then we've got – Milwaukee and Toronto in the Eastern Conference. I think these two series are going to be especially really good. And this Portland Golden State series might go six. Um, I think it'll go at least six games because Kevin Durant, if he can't play games one and two, I think that gives Portland a very strong chance. This Portland team is a very confident team. Uh, Damian Lillard and, and CJ McCollum truly believe that they are the best back the best backcourt, um, and they've been playing like it. Uh, they've been playing like it in this playoffs. And, and they're two. They're two guys who always believe in their shots. I mean, very much so, like like Clay and Steph. I mean, to be if you're going to play in this league and if you're going to play the point guard and shooting guard positions, you have to be confident in yourself. Um, and these and these four guys, they're very confident. Um, this Portland team is very confident. Um, they they take on the, the persona of their leader, and that's Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is a is a humble, confident. Um, Damian Lillard knows he didn't play that that well in this in this Denver series. Um, he acknowledges that. He knows he can get better. Um, but at the same time, he, he appreciates the wins. Like he, he knows that they have another opportunity ahead of them. Um, and this is a, a wonderful opportunity ahead of them. Charles Barkley picked this Portland team to go at least this far to the Western conference finals. And, and now they're here. Um, I don't think, I don't think this, this stage is going to be too big for them. Uh, Damian Lillard is a native of Oakland. He's playing back home in front of his family. I think he's going to put on a show. I think he's going to play great basketball. Um, when you look at the numbers between he and CJ, I mean, they, they've averaged 54 points a game in this playoffs. Uh, they shot the ball, 30, they shot 38% from three. When you look at Stephen Clay, um, they've averaged 47 a game, you know, in the playoffs. That's 42, 42 a game in the playoffs, and, and they've shot 38% from three. 
Um, so we're looking at, I mean, these are going to be the, these are going to be the matchups you watch for because Kevin Durant can't play in this first two, these first two games, or at least game one tonight, he's not playing. They might get cousins back at some point. They might get him back this series. I don't know. Uh, but that would be a big help for golden state because where the, the weakness, where the weakness lies for this Portland team is down low. They got absolutely obliterated by Jokic. Jokic put these guys in a blender time and time again and just shredded their eyeballs. Um, Steven Adams didn't have that impact because Steven Adams, uh, to be effective, Steven Adams had to be had to play in the pick and roll. Andrew Bogut is sort of like a – I don't know how effective Andrew Bogut will be, but I know that Kavon Looney could be effective for the Warriors. But if they get Cousins back, um, I know Portland's in some trouble because once they get Kevin Durant back, because you're guaranteed at least four games, so he will play in this series at some point. Um, Portland has to take advantage of every game that Kevin Durant doesn't play. Whether it's one game, whether it's two games, they have to take advantage of that. Um, they they can't – they have to split. I think they have to split with Golden State because if they, they can't split with Golden State, I think they're in trouble. If they don't split, they at least have to win game three um, at home. If they win the first one in Portland – uh, they they have confidence that they can win the second one in Portland. And this Golden State team, they're not they're not impermeable. Um, it's not like they can't be beaten. This Golden State team can be beaten. Um, CJ and Dame recognize when they're they're not getting their when their threes aren't falling. They recognize that they have to get to the rim and, and get into the mid range. How effective they'll be able to do that against this Warriors team, who's significantly better defensively. Um, probably than 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 the Nuggets. Um, well, not significantly better. I'm, I won't say they're significantly better. I will say Golden State is better defensively than than Denver is. They've sure they've certainly got quicker lateral bodies uh, than Denver had because I mean because of Jokic's size and 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 then you downgrade and you get Bogut um, who's a little who's a little smaller and then you talk about Looney coming off the bench. Those are smaller, more more mobile bodies. Um, and I mean, they've got longer body. I mean, they've got Livingston, they've got Clay, they've got Iguodala, they've got Draymond who can who can guard. So, um, I mean, you talk about these guys who can who can move and stay in front of you. Um, I mean, so it presents a tougher challenge trying to get to the rim and finishing at the rim. Uh, but their mid range is going to shine. I think when they realize that they can't get their threes to fall, and and if that's the case, even that their threes aren't falling. Um, that they can get to the rim and get to the free throw line and, and, and stuff like that. But besides Portland not being able to, to, to hang down low in terms of big men, which I think Myers Leonard has to probably play more minutes in this series. Um, I mean, Myers just thinking about what it, I mean, he played in that Blazers series. He didn't, I mean, what did he stack? Um, he didn't play a ton of minutes. I know Collins got a ton of minutes against the the Nuggets. They had they played a smaller lineup at times. I mean, Ennis Cantor, I don't his ability to crash the offensive boards is a key. It's a plus. Um, it helps them certainly. Um, it it's huge for them. I mean, but when you look at minutes overall, Myers Leonard, I can't read without my glasses. So let me put them back on. Uh, for the playoffs in general, he's averaging just ten points. Uh, ten or ten minutes a game, I think that has to go up. Um, and then last series against Denver, 
he certainly didn't even average that. I mean, last year against Denver, well, he did. He averaged 11 minutes a game. So, But I think he's probably got to play somewhere around 15, maybe like 15 to 17 minutes a game um, because he's a bigger body. They need the rebounding. Um, they need someone to crash down low to get them offensive boards because if you can't get second-chance opportunities against this Warriors team, you're in trouble. Um, so I think Leonard has – I mean, yeah, he can't move up and down the court. He can't run up and down the court like Collins can. Uh, and, this Warriors, and this Warriors team certainly likes to run. But – I don't know. I just feel you have to sacrifice something. Maybe um, you may have to sacrifice that just to, to be able to get second chance opportunities. He's a taller body. Uh, I mean, Leonard, he's got nice size on him in terms of just a build. Um, and you might have, you have to use that. I know, I know Cantor, he, he, he grabbed seven boards or 10 boards a game against the Nuggets. Um, and he can run the court cause he's smaller, but I, I think Leonard probably he helps, um, but they definitely need Rodney Hood to step up again, and then they need Alfaruk Amina to play better. Uh, in 26 minutes, he only averaged seven points. That's not going to cut it. He didn't shoot the ball well from three. He was absolutely abysmal in that Denver series. Mo Harkless has to play better. I mean, and these are two guys who who were solid contributors in that in that Oklahoma City series. Harkless and 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 Alpha Rukaminu, those are two guys who, who, who made it possible to win in five for this Portland team. I mean, they were hitting threes and they were hitting shots and they were getting to the rim, grabbing rebounds and things like that and playing solid defense all series long for that Portland team against, against the Thunder. And then against Denver, they almost didn't exist. I mean, they, it was almost like having two, two mannequins out there on the court um, at times. So it's going to have to be a collective effort for this Portland team to beat Golden State. I think they can win two games if they can sneak one um, without Kevin Durant, and they can possibly sneak one with Kevin Durant. Uh, but but they need to play better. And then for Golden State, it's okay. They need Steph to play well. Steph has, I mean, against this backcourt, against this backcourt that's averaging fifty six points a game, fifty four points a game, uh, and Damon CJ. Um, who, and they can score in a bunch. They can score in bunches. They I just talked about how they they can shoot in the mid range and they can shoot from three and get to the free throw line. Steph has to elevate his play without Kevin Durant. Steph has to shoot the ball better. Um, he can't have if he has thirteen points through three quarters against this Portland team. Um, they they are less susceptible to, to to giving up the lead than the Rockets are. Um, I truly do think that. And if Steph has a half where he scores zero points, I guarantee you the game ain't tied like it was against the Rockets at halftime. Um, there's no way Steph has zero points and the game is going to be tied 54-54 at halftime with the Portland Trailblazers unless Dame somehow doesn't have – unless he isn't shooting the ball well either. That's it. They have to cancel out. Um, but he has to play better. Clay is going to – you know what Clay's going to give you um, – He's gonna. They're gonna get some actions for them, and and this is probably gonna. We're gonna see Golden State before Kevin Durant, because they're gonna have to run actions and screens for for Steph and Clay, um, and that's and that's what, and that's and that's what they did before Kevin Durant got there, and especially before this year when before they started giving the ball to Kevin Durant more and just letting him take over games, and then and then this playoffs. So, um, matchup wise, probably you're, you're talking about. CJ probably guarding Clay, Dame guarding Steph, um, and that's 
two guys, I mean, two guys in, in Dame and CJ who you can't, you can't overlook the fact that they, they can play solid defense. Um, they're good defenders in their own rights. Uh, and then on the other end, you're talking about probably um, Iguodala on Dame and, and maybe Clay on CJ. Um, and then you can go, you can go Steph on Alfaru Aminu. You can go Draymond on Cantor. And then you can go, um, they probably play Bogut in there as well. And, and Bogut probably gets Harkless or, or you, you maybe put Draymond on Harkless and you let Bogut take Cantor. So um, that's at least what we're going to see for game one. I think in, in my opinion. Um, and then after that, if they get Kevin Durant back from game two, then you can, I mean, then you really have the mismatches in, in Golden State's favor because you can put Kevin Durant um, on really either Dame or CJ and you can still have, you still have Iguodala to guard the other, you still have Clay to guard someone like Rodney Hood coming off the bench, um, you know, Seth coming off the bench, you know, Evan Turner coming off the bench. Um, you could really go anywhere uh, with, with matchups at that point and, and, and it favors Golden State because they don't, Portland, they don't have anyone to guard Kevin Durant. Uh, their best defender probably is Al Farouk Aminu in their starting five. Um, he's at least the tallest, you know, with the with the, the longest arms, but he can't hold Kevin Durant. Harkless probably can't hold Kevin Durant. Um, so, and that's why it's important that that oh, that Portland wins Game One tonight. Because if they can't, they then they're in trouble. Um, but this series could go six. I think they can win two. Portland can, uh, but I, I think Golden State wins. I think they win it easily. Um, not easily, but I think they can. They can win this. Um, but regardless, uh, I think Dame and CJ have a great series. I think they play well. Uh, it's just about the others for this Portland team. They have to. They have to bring it. They have to give them the effort. They have to give them the scoring. Seth has to bring the scoring off the bench. Um, Harkless and Amina have to play better. Myers Leonard needs more minutes. Um, and, and so I think that's what, that's what Portland needs to win. And for Golden State, it's just, it's just staying the course. This Portland team's going to give them everything that they can. Um, they're their best team. They're the best team in the Western conference. Um, and they're going to get, they're going to get Portland's best. So it's just about Golden State staying the course, you know, playing their level of basketball and, and keeping the turnovers to a minimum. If they don't turn the ball over as much, this series can be over. This series can be over fast. If they turn the ball over a lot, this Portland team will make them pay because Damon CJ. Um, I mean, they're. I mean, they're. They're nothing to play around with, and and they can and they can keep these guys in this game. They can keep these guys in this series, and they can breathe. They can breathe confidence in them, literally, uh, on the court. Breathe confidence in them with their with their style of play, with the way that they've been playing so far in this playoff. So, uh, I think that's that's what I think of that series, and then over in the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee and uh, and Toronto, I think, is another. I think this series, just thinking about it, um, matchup wise, or you know, just overall uh, from top to bottom, I don't. I don't really know how Toronto can hang uh, with M- Milwaukee outside of Kawhi, just because. the Bucks have been so consistent all year long and they've, they've got shooters and they've got great defenders and they've got guys who, who are going to make players got on. They're going to, they've got, 
the Bucks have players outside of um, the Bucks have players who can make Raptors players outside of Kawhi and Pascal Siakam, or just basically outside of Kawhi and effective. Kawhi is going to get his, uh, but I think the key is making sure they hold Kawhi. Um, the Bucks holding Kawhi, you know, um, to a minimum of probably somewhere around twenty points a game. Uh, because outside of that, I don't know how well this Raptors team can play. Uh, there's a, it's a great opportunity ahead of them, of course, and they are good. I mean, the Raptors are they're a solid basketball team, and I think when you, I think the season series against, uh, I don't really know what the season series against against um, Toronto between Toronto and and. Milwaukee has looked like so I, I I don't but I do know regular season probably doesn't mean much in the playoffs um just my personal opinion because if it did then Oklahoma City would have beaten Portland in the playoffs um and obviously we saw that we saw that went um I just it's so tough because I want to give the Raptors I want to give the Raptors more than one game um but I really feel like they, as well as the Celtics, could face the same five-game fate. I, I really do think that. I really do think the Bucks could beat this team in five. I want to so badly believe that Kawhi could keep that from happening. Um, I just, but I just don't know. I just don't know because unless Kyle Lowry plays better. And he did play better in that 76ers series. I will give him that. It doesn't always show up in points, um, but Kyle Lowry did play better. He had several, he had, I mean, he did score the ball better in that series against, against Philadelphia. He'll have Bledsoe guarding him in this series, probably Brogdon since he's back. He'll work his way back into the rotation consistently. George Hill coming off the bench and he played well in that series. And, and if that's happening, if they've got Hill coming off, if they got Hill coming off the bench playing well, they got Brogdon and, and Bledsoe all playing well, along with Giannis and Brook Lopez. I mean, this the, the Bucks are running away with this, but I don't know if I can give Toronto needs more than just Pascal Siakam to show up. Besides Kawhi Leonard, they got to have Danny Green show up. They got to have uh, Fred VanVleet off the bench come off and, and provide some minutes and some strong play. They've got to have Marc Gasol play better. Um, he's got to be able to bang down low at Brooke Lopez. Um, they've got to have, you know, I mean, they just got to have people other than Kawhi just play really solid basketball in this series. Um, but I think probably it's tough for me to give Toronto more than one game. Um, I want to go Bucks. I want to go Bucks in five. But I have to believe that Kawhi can play well enough to give them to give them two games. So I'm going to go Bucks in. Um, I'm going to go Bucks in six. They they took out the Celtics, who I picked to go to the finals. Um, I think maybe I think Toronto can probably win a game at home and a game on the road, uh, but that's just like one apiece. Um, I think Giannis flexes really just flexes his muscles in this series. Um, but I don't think it's going to be quite like what we think. I think, I think, I think he's going to average twenty-five in the series. But I think he's going to do it, but also um, not feel the need. I don't think there's going to be a. 
I don't think there's going to be sort of like a like the Bucks have to go to Giannis every possession, um, in a in a way, and he'd be successful and like do something. But I think he'll average twenty five for the series, and I think the Bucks can win this in six, um, at most. But I think at minimum they can win it in five. So um, those are my. I know like I'm gonna take I'm gonna take credit if they win it in five, regardless. But um, yeah, so. But those are my thoughts. We've got game one for the for the for the Warriors and the and the Trailblazers um, Tuesday night, and then Wednesday night we've got Toronto and Milwaukee. So ESPN has the Western Conference Finals, TNT has the Eastern Conference Finals, and it's going to be um, it's going to be amazing. Um, so I'll, we'll see you guys in the uh, in the NBA Finals. But we're going to take a break. One more break, final break, I promise, and we're going to wrap this thing up. All right, we're wrapping this segment up here. We got the NBA Draft Lottery Tuesday night as well as uh, the Warriors Trailblazers. Um, and a thing to think about is, is how many of these players uh, are in, who have made it this far, just thinking about where they were drafted, we've got guys like Giannis and, and Kawhi uh, who were taken after 10. We've got Dame who was taken at 6. We've got Steph who was taken at 6. Uh, Clay was taken, what, like 11th or 14th in this draft. Um, Draymond's in the second round. Iggy, uh, first round talent or, you know, mid to late first round talent. So uh, the lottery tonight, I mean, it just means that no matter if your team is taking first, you know, taking the number one pick like Sean Livingston was so long ago, um, or your team is is picking, you know, outside the lottery. Um, players can be found anywhere. Players can be found everywhere. Uh, so don't take much stock in it. I mean, of course, this year, I mean, the talent is you want Zion if you're a Knicks fan, blah, 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 all this. So like Zion and, and Ja. Uh, but I think the lottery is a, is a wonderful time to think about all the guys who, who don't go number one or number two or even number three, uh, but fall somewhere between that, you know, like that six to 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 15. Um, and, and how many great players that we've had come from that. So um We'll keep my eyes on the lottery tonight because if the Suns get the number one pick, I'm going to pull my hair out because if they take Zion, I might throw myself from my balcony because I want Jaw. We need a point guard, but you know, I'll be happy with Zion. But, you know, unless the Suns address the point guard's need outside of, of taking Zion, then I'm going to be very upset. Um, but I haven't done a, a social media thing in, in a while. But, um, you know, follow me on social media uh, on Twitter at Jamal Kennedy, J-H-M-A-L Kennedy. Uh, Instagram, Jamal, Facebook, Jamal Kennedy, everywhere I'm posting. I uh, got another blog post coming out soon. Um, the first, you know, the first round I did the most disappointing losses, I ranked them. Um, I'm going to do a thing similar to that for the second round, the most disappointing losses from the second round. I've got that coming out soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, and then uh, we, I'll see you guys for the finals, the NBA finals. I'm going to take a break. We're gonna. I'm gonna let you guys take in the, uh, the the Eastern and Western Conference Final Series, and then we'll be back with the NBA Finals. I say we because I think I'm gonna do a panel. Um, I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get some friends on Face on FaceTime. On uh, we're gonna we're gonna get some friends you know in here on the mic, um, and we're gonna do a roundtable discussion about what we think is gonna happen in the finals. I'm gonna talk about uh, the conference finals individually. So, uh, thank you all for the support. Um, I hope you all had a wonderful mother's day. That was this weekend. Um, if you got to see your moms, uh, you know, 
I hope you enjoyed your time with them. If, if you didn't get to see your moms, but you got something from your moms or you, or you called your mothers, you know, um, I hope, you know, you, you understand that there was just as much appreciation and, and value and love in that as well. And so, um, congratulations to all my friends who graduated. Uh, I know we had a bunch of graduations, a ton of graduations. Congratulations to all my friends. I'm very proud of you guys. Um, and for those who graduated and, and, and have jobs already, congratulations to you all as well. Um, and, and for those of you who don't yet, I mean, keep the faith. Uh, it's different for all of us. Everyone's journey is different. Um, just keep the faith, stay strong and, and, and keep trying out here, man, because there's room enough for all of us. Um, and your, and your shot's going to fall. Uh, just, just stay the course, stick with it. Um, if you're a spiritual person, a religious person, pray, um, pray on it. Um, you know, just keep working hard and keep building yourself. And, and, and building yourself and molding yourself into uh, someone that that business or company needs or, or wants or is looking for. So, um, you know, if you haven't heard anything back yet, you know, keep the faith, stay strong. And um, for those of you guys uh, who, who have found jobs, um, congratulations. But I mean, the work doesn't stop just because you've got your job. The work doesn't stop. Better yourself every day. Look for ways to better yourself every day. Um, if that's not where you want to be but in your job and or in your field, um, if you want to be higher, you know, just just strive, shoot for it. Um, use this opportunity right now to build yourself, uh, to to grow yourself, um, you know, understand yourself, uh, you know, figure out ways to to make it to to the top. Um, because yeah, you you have your job, you have that job, but your journey's not over; it's actually just begun. So. Uh, congratulations to all of you, all the graduates, all the college graduates, all the high school graduates who are going to college. Congratulations to you guys. Um, and just keep going because the journey, is, like I said before, the journey don't, the journey is only beginning. So but thank you all for tuning in. Um, episode 36 will be out for the NBA Finals. Um, have a wonderful week. Have a, have a wonderful next couple of weeks until I see you guys again. Um, so episode 35, we're out. Thank you.